Welcome to another hot episode of the Not an MSP Show. I'm going to be your host in crime, and I've got virtual Pete Matheson today. So you guys are in for something, a real treat today. And also my partner in crime, Scott Riley. We're sans Richard. Uh, we were hoping to have Sir Richard with us this week, but maybe next week. Maybe next week. Uh, anyway. So Pete, I'm gonna let you. I'm, you got to go first now and tell us what's going on with virtual Pete. Tell everybody what your challenge is this week. Uh, yeah. What's going on? So it's on fairly with... obvious for people watching, but for people listening, it's uh, definitely not obvious. So I, I'm spending this week is like a challenge for my, a video I'm shooting, which is spending seven days working in VR. So I'm literally sat here I'm in front of my normal computer desk. I've got the Oculus Quest Pro or Meta Quest Pro headset on at the moment. And uh, and yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm doing this video call from inside the VR world, which is bizarre. So um, yeah, if you've got any questions about how VR working works, then uh, ask away. This is a this is definitely a, an experience. He's going to turn on the afterburners here shortly. <laughs> I can if I can step back. I mean, I, I can I can change my surroundings, but currently I thought the spaceship was a good one to uh, to settle on. Nice. See, and I I still have the Kenny Loggins. <laughs> So that that in a spaceship there you go <laughs> a virtual top gun pete this week so. <laughs> ah good stuff all right so let's jump into our topic this week because i know that there's probably uh both vendors and non-vendors on the chat today on this on this episode let me see i've got 12 people showing so if you're watching on youtube Go ahead and hit the like button. Give us a give us a a like over on YouTube. And if you haven't subscribed yet, uh, please do that while you're there as well. You guys know how the YouTube algorithm works. All that good fun stuff. Yeah, <laughs> virtual Pete's going to give you a virtual heart symbol. So yeah, help us out over on YouTube uh, so we can we can make more of this show. So. Today is all about vendors, vendor relationships, and I figured I threw that little topic up there, vendor relationships be tricky, uh, because we know that it doesn't always go smoothly. Uh, but today we want to talk about how do, we, how do we work through that as an industry, how do we work through that as vendors, possibly ourselves. We are vendors to our customers too, and I think that there's things to be learned on both sides of the street. Um, Scott, I'm going to have you kick us off today. What do, what do you see as the biggest challenge for an MSP with a vendor right now? Well, I guess, you know, from my perspective, it's really simple. Um, it's, it's, it's having the honesty to understand that I am too small for many vendors to be interested in and spend a lot of time with, um, because I've come from the very, very big MSP um, where we would spend a lot and we would have a lot of opportunities and a lot of um, revenue with these big vendors. Um, and, you know, when you start up on your own and you're a very small MSP uh, like we are, um, then you really don't matter too much. And that could be quite painful <laughs> because you feel like, hey, I'm, I'm going out of my way. Like we're, we're big advocates for Microsoft technology, um, but, but, but Microsoft don't know who we are or what we do. Um, and you know that can be a, a real challenge for us sometimes because we'll we'll miss out on partner programs or you know development funds or even just having a relationship with the vendor at all you know having someone that we can we can turn to and talk to and, and bounce our ideas off and 
I think for a lot of small MSPs, you know, they, they will have this frustration. There are so many great vendors in our space, um, but they can't possibly account for every single small MSP. There are so many of us. Um, and I think it's, it's finding a way for us to, as for us as the MSP to be really tactical about which vendors do we want to work with and then really establishing a relationship properly with those vendors. Because if we just try and scattergun approach and go, well, I'll, I'll make relationships with as many vendors as possible. And, you know, I'll tell each one of them a great story about what we're doing and where we're going. Um, that doesn't work because ultimately those vendors are going to look back at you and go, well, Hey, you told us all these great stories, but I don't see any sales. And so whilst they might be really interested in partnering up at first over time, that's just going to dwindle away because you tried to sell to them <laughs> that you're going to be their, their next big partner. Um, so I think it can be really hard, uh, you know, as the, as you know, in, in our position as the smaller MSP, um, but I think having a good dose of reality is is really necessary for some some small guys like me. I'll start that off on a real negative, I guess. There. <laughs> no, I mean that's what we're talking about that challenge, and I think that that's what we want to talk about today is addressing that negativity, especially that we see in our space as well. Um, but I think now that Pete, you and I are on the flip side of that. Now we're not in the MSP role, but we do coach a lot of MSPs, provide mentorship. What, what do you see as being the biggest challenge for an MSP right now as well? I think it's very, very similar to what Scott's been saying there. And um, particularly with things like, uh, you know, stock shortages and availability and pricing changes, uh, just constantly being an issue and a challenge for MSPs, that it's, you know, all well and good that the ideal world um, and kind of mirroring on what Scott was saying there is, try and focus your efforts with, you know, a smaller number of, you know, partnership programs, for example, your, you know, the main distributor where you buy your equipment from, if you can try and focus that attention on one distributor, and you can build up a good, you know, good credit history with that distributor, then it really helps if you actually need any extra support in the future. Uh, I remember going back a few years, but, you know, there were certain moments where we needed some extra credit or some extra payment terms or some extra support on some certain deals. And had we been spreading our, our kind of split across multiple vendors on multiple distributors, neither one of them would have really cared about us because, again, we we're a very, very small account in the big grand scheme of things. But because we were trying to make an effort at least to, to focus the majority of orders with one distributor, it at least made them pay more attention to us. We, we kind of worked our way up the ranks. We got a, you know, got a dedicated account manager at a certain stage. And it did get to the stage where actually when we were spending you know, 100 or 200K with them a, a year in terms of spend, then when you go and speak to another disty, if you're not happy for any reason, you can quite confidently say, look, we've we've spent a 200,000 pounds or dollars with this vendor. What can you do for us if we were to move that spend over to you? So it kind of brings the power back into your kind of your corner of knowing what your stats are in terms of your spend and what your kind of average kind of run rate is. Um, but that's a huge challenge now because you can't necessarily go with one vendor because they might not have stock and you have to be forced to go to these other vendors. Um, but again, if you do have the opportunity to do that, if you you know maybe have to wait an extra day or two, and the client's happy to wait a day or two, then try and stick with that same vendor. It just it just helps so so much. Um, the challenge I certainly had when uh, you know with, with my MSP was not necessarily with the distributors because you buy stuff constantly. You know, almost every day you'll be buying stuff, but it's with the other software vendors where you might not buy as often. Maybe the the Citrixes, the Cisco's when you're buying licenses, whatever it might be, and trying to work your way up the ranks in their partnership programs when you're not you know, a huge conglomerate that does Citrix, for example, every single day, that that's a challenge because you know you're, you're trying to then 
compete with the smaller deals where you're trying to, you know, introduce that product into your kind of your own you know, target audience and your, your, your client base, but you get zero support because you're a small, you know, you're a nobody compared to that vendor. So that's like the challenge that we always suffered. And we never really broke through in all honesty, other than trying to focus our attention on, you know, the product set that, that we could focus on, focus on the Microsoft, focus your, you know, hardware on certain products, networking, PC servers, stick with what you know, um, or at least try and focus on one particular product. Uh, there was one particular coaching client I was having a call with, I think it was last week, maybe it was earlier this week. And um, they would they buy like Lenovo, HP, Dell, you know, literally whatever they could do. Whereas actually, if you look at standardizing, it fixes a ton yeah. of issues. And yes, we've got the stock issues and the pricing issues. But if you have you know, at least the same brand across all of your clients, then you know all you care about is that one brand. You can pay attention to the you know, security bulletins that come up, any new firmware updates that come up. If you have an issue with one bit of kit, then you know how to fix it on all the other bits of kit. It just removes like having to learn or relearn the same thing across multiple brands and gives make, you know, makes an easier job for your techs to learn and makes it an easier job for you as the business owner and the, maybe the procurement person to find it, buy it, support it, and quote it as well. Yeah. yeah if you guys have questions for us, those of you who happen to be watching live, drop those in the comments um, so we can say hi, we can answer your questions. Uh, we like to be able to do that. Also, like I said, if you're just joining us here, uh, let me see here. I've got 10 still joining us, and I've only got five thumbs up over on YouTube. So we need those other five of you who are hiding under the covers uh, to give us that that like button so we can we can pump up this video. Because I think this is a bigger discussion. St uh, you, you, standardization is one of the things you talked about. And then that I didn't figure out till probably five or six years into running my MSP how beneficial that was. And then that made the whole, because I think there's two different vendors that we as MSPs deal with. One is the actual hardware, the, the, you know, the gear, if you will. And then there's also the tools that we use to actually provide the service. Uh, so I think, th so that takeaway for me is from a vendor perspective is standardizing on equipment, gear, whether, you know, all the way down to the monitor and mice and keyboard, all the misses that you use inside. <laughs> so, but that you're, you're exactly right. That made it easier to troubleshoot when there were problems that made it much easier. Cause I could stock that gear. We, you know, we knew what the stock cause everybody had the same computer. The laptops were either one or two models, desktops, same thing. Servers were all the same. So it made it from a from a replacement aspect for me much easier when we had that standardization in place. But where I see the dichotomy in the MSP industry right now is with the tools that we use, whether that's security vendors, PSA, RMM. That's where I see the huge rift right now. And again, just from talking to people, the forums that we belong all belong to. That's where I see, and that's why I did the, our graphic this week was the arm wrestle um, and, and that tussle that we have in the industry with those vendors. So what do you, you guys see as being the biggest challenge with PSA, RMM, you know, the vendor tools that we use to provide the service? Uh, where do you guys see the biggest challenge lying for MSPs right now? And then we're going to flip our hats on and try to look at this from a vendor perspective as well. I mean, if, if I look at uh, PSA RMM vendors, <clears throat> I've got to say, by and large, especially for the, the more integrated suites, they're just too damn expensive. They're too big. 
They're too clunky. They're too awkward. They're too slow to change. They don't adapt to the market fast enough. And that's because they've become these gargantuan things. And so what you see is, and, and you know, when I speak to MSPs, that they're constantly looking to switch out their PSA or their RMM platform because they just keep reaching the end of the rope with with the current one that they have. And and we, you know, and I'm sure you have the same conversation, which is no, don't switch because you'll spend your life switching from PSA to PSA, from RMM to RMM. Don't switch, just embed, dig in and, you know, add on other tools to make your life easier. Maybe it's a Zapier or maybe it's something else to tie your systems together. But the, the challenge that I always see with these really big vendors, and I think it gets worse when they buy each other out, um, is that they're just too big and slow. And like, I'm, I, you know, I, I don't mind naming names. I tried to sign up with ConnectWise as we set off on our MSP journey three years ago. Um, and they wanted however many hundreds of pounds per user per month, which again, as a small MSP was, was difficult enough, but they then wanted 6,000 pounds, call it 10,000, maybe seven, seven or 8,000 US dollars to set up their RMM platform so that we could use it. And I was like, you want seven or $8,000 so that you can set up your product so that I can use it. How I don't understand. And the best offer that they could come back with at that stage was to say, well, hey, I tell you what, don't pay it all up front. We'll increase the per user charges and you'll essentially pay that off over the next three years. And I was like, no, I don't want to pay you $7,000 to set up your software. I, I don't want to do that. And it just didn't seem to make sense to them. Now, having been in the bigger MSPs as well, that challenge is only exacerbated because, again, we have these you know, service desk teams of 100 or 200 people who all need access to these platforms, and they're not doing what we need them to do. And as I say, they're just too slow to change. They're too slow to bring in the new features and functions. They're full of bugs. And it, it's back to that whole thing now where we look at them and go, is this really the best there is? Is this is this what we need to put up with as MSPs? Or are there smarter ways to do this? Do we, you know, and it's back to that question of going, do we need an RMM platform? Sorry, do we need a, a PSA and RMM combined platform these days? Are there other ways to work? And that's where we end up in this whole loop of jumping ship. And I, I genuinely think that, that some of the, the larger RMM and PSA vendors are just, are happy that we're kind of trapped in this circle of, it doesn't do what we want. It costs too much, but the, the pain of change is too great and we can't figure out what all those variables are. So we're going to renew for another 12 months while we figure this out. Well, hey, guess what? We didn't because we were busy over the, those 12 months as well. Um, I feel super negative today. I feel really bad. <laughs> He's bringing the spicy today. He's bringing the spicy. What do you see, Pete? Uh, we've got Mar Mary's joining us and it sounds like she's in a vendor role. And she's, let me move this comment around here. So we can get that a little I bit. Think so I can Mary see the whole thing. It yeah. It, I, the, and, and it's something I wanted to touch on. Maybe, maybe after we, we talk about this section, but I think the partnership is huge. Yeah. I think that that is what will make a successful relationship. And it isn't just what was classic distribution. You know, here's a list of PCs and here's a list of SKUs. Buy which ones you want. That, yeah. that isn't where distribution is today anymore. And, and I don't think that's where vendors are today. And I think that relationship is huge. But sorry, Pete. Yeah, yeah. Let's get your take, Pete. <laughs> um, yeah, but my, my, my thoughts around the, certainly the PSA platforms change from time to time. I, I think I completely agree with what Scott said there. 
the, the big event has been around for a very long time. And it's almost like they've got comfortable with the products they've got and comfortable with slow development times. I, I think that's certainly been the issue we had. Um, we, we use ConnectWise you know, beforehand in our MSP. Literally from day one, we signed up with ConnectWise when they only have one or two users. But the number of times that things would break, like, like real functionality would break, things like the invoicing, uh, just decided to add a dollar sign in front of all of our invoices, even though we're in the UK and everything needs a British pound sign on it. So we had to go through and manually edit all of our invoice templates to have pound signs instead of dollars until it took them like three or four months to fix that bug. And it's just that rate of slow development that really, really, yeah, it does, does make you look around and look at these other products. But again, that's a huge change to be able to change your product set. And, you know, anyone knows trying to go set up a, a new PSA system, whether it's going to be going to ConnectWise or Kaseya or, you know, Halo or whatever it's going to be, it's still a huge task to go and set it all up. Um, and the issue I've certainly had recently with people have been changed. You know, I've, I've made videos around, you know, Halo and both and ConnectWise, both of them. And they've got their both, you know, both got their kind of pluses and minuses. Halo looks like it's a modern system, but they're very much, you know, they're a newbie to the market. They're, they're very fresh. They've still got lots of things to learn. They've still got lots of features to add in there. Yes, some of the products, which, which I, I love Halo, like uh, some of the products, fantastic. It moves really, really well. It's fast. It's fluid. It's responsive. But there just aren't some features that, you know, all the other PSA products have. And so you've got that side of the kind of the, the, the fence, or you have the other side of the fence where you're with a more established dominant player like the Kaseyas, like the Datos, like the Connectwises that have all the features in the world, but you do have to sit there and assume you're going to have to put up with maybe some slowness or some bugs that aren't just aren't going to fit, you know, work well, or just get charged through the teeth for you know, professional consultancy. I remember going to um, that particular time, actually, when the invoice uh, broke, I went to their professional consultancy team. Oh, hey, it's going to be, you know, we need to spend two hours customizing your template to fix that problem for you. What, the problem that you introduced, you're now going to charge me time to fix. And it wasn't just that. It was, we need two hours. Oh, we only bill in increments of eight hours. You need to buy eight hours so we can spend two of that fixing your problem. And it was just, and yeah, like Scott said, you're kind of over a barrel at that point. You either pay it or you don't and you live with the problems. Or you go look elsewhere, you realize moving elsewhere is going to take even more time and even more money. So you do, you just kind of stay where you are. And the um, the, the thing that I've had issues with recently, which maybe that might be in the, in the vendor discussion shortly, is where I've made these videos um, about certain products. And certain providers haven't liked what I've said in those videos. And I've had messages from them saying, that makes it very difficult for us to work with you anymore. And it's like, from, from certainly from my perspective, and you know, most of us making videos and doing YouTube videos content is my, my opinion is my opinion. And also I don't side with any vendor whatsoever. My, my, my side is with the MSPs. And so if I'm making content where particularly where I'm particularly calling out features that I've experienced and had issues with, like take issue with those features and issues that I'm calling out and maybe try and make some effort to fix those. The, of all the instances this has ever happened of, by the way, you know, I've, I've posted on LinkedIn a few times. You look at the comments and it's people going, yep, I'm having those same issues. This has happened. Yep, I'm having those issues. Not once has any of those vendors replied to that kind of train of, you know, comments saying, get in touch. We'd love to support you. You know, we'd love to work through your issues. No, they've just focused on my post and saying, oh, that's not a very nice post. Well, how about all you've got unhappy customers that have posted saying they're not very happy? Maybe focus on them instead. That's That's the reason why I posted. And there's a lot of people agreeing with me. And that's the thing that I just can't get over as a vendor is, you know, you, you're trying to kind of control the control the, the story that's put online. 
when you're completely ignoring or pretty, you know, certainly not completely ignoring your community, because there's tons of people out there. I know Sean Lardo at ConnectWise is doing a fantastic, um, you know, fantastic role out there now, which is something they didn't have before. But for the most part, a lot of us, or I say a lot of us, but a lot of MSPs feel like they're ignored because yeah. they, they're not big enough to shout and cry and sing and dance. They just don't get the attention and they only seem to get the attention when other people say these things online and try and help them. Like the number of my clients I've had to try and help them with, with things and being able to give them the names and the email addresses of people that can actually help them, it shouldn't need to get to that stage for them to get that support. Uh, Reddit's another, weirdly, another place. You can go on Reddit and complain on Reddit and the <laughs> vendors are actually hanging out on Reddit nowadays and you can get support because they'll find the right person for you on Reddit. I mean, wh wh why? Why should we need to do that? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I think that that's definitely something that, that we've seen is just product, you know, the, the, the stalwarts in the markets, you know, they've been there a while, they're comfortable for a long time. I was a ConnectWise shop as well. And Scott, way back, we did ConnectWise in 2006, and it was around 10 grand for the cloud version. I was, wow. I signed up. I was one of their first, because that's, we signed initially with Autotask because they were the only cloud PSA tool. Used that for a year, and then when ConnectWise went cloud, I was like, okay, I knew I wanted ConnectWise in the first place. But yes, so I get the, and again, we'll flip over to the vendor hat and look at it from that perspective. Their minimum viable deal seems to be 10 grand. Well, you know, which again, like I said, we'll talk about that from a business perspective in a minute. But I think that, you know, uh, Westway IT, I'm not sure first name, you guys may know who this is. Let me move this comment in here. Uh, says, as a nimble MSP, a very, I feel very too small to matter and quite few vendors don't even give you named account managers. So how do you build a relationship when you don't deal with the same person? And yeah, that, I think that that is, you know, some difficulty there in that relationship building. Uh, and Mary touched on that. So Mary, sitting from a vendor perspective, that's what she strives to do. And I think that there are a lot of people that work inside any of the, the vendors that we deal with on the MSP side that actually do care. I think that there, there are a lot of great people who wish they could make certain changes but can't. Um, but I think every time something happens, we see that in Reddit, we, you know, kind of the get out the pitchforks mentality um, you know, seems to be prevalent in the MSP industry. And I, th I see that gap getting further and further with the vendors. And this is what I want to try to address because I see problems on both sides. Um, you know, Westway IT says the same thing. Stop chasing the shiny things or you'll be, always be running. Uh, and I think that, that that is the danger for an MSP. Um, that if you're constantly switching tools, you're not doing sales and marketing. If you're constantly switching tools, your customer service has got to take a hit at some point. Like you're going to suffer at some point if you're constantly switching tools every single month. Uh, and, and that's also a um, challenge in itself, though, because to a certain extent, you should be chasing the shiny things because you're trying to find out what's coming and the new products and the new services you might need. Or, you know, maybe there is a system out there that if you switch to, it could be a total game changer. So there's always this certain parts or maybe a certain percentage of your role that I feel should be investigating that side of things. Maybe not, you know, complete switching of PSA and RMM, but certainly with like tools and services that can add on, you know, enhance the experience of either your techs or yourself or your clients as well. Yeah. One of the things I finally got smart because I did the same thing when I, when we started in 2004, like there were very few vendors. 
like an RMM tool was very hard to get. Just the, the tools weren't there. But I constantly was doing that for the first few years, trying to figure out which tool was the right one. And then I finally decided, okay, we're going we're gonna to standardize on this stack. But to your points, Pete, one of the things that I did was we had time every week, every month to do R&D, to do due diligence on those tools, long, long due diligence, not just this, you know, this vendor ticked me off today, so I'm switching. Like it wasn't one of those split decisions because I knew my business was going to suffer if I did that. And the vendors, you know, it's the same thing. If you've got massive amounts of people switching from a business perspective, that's not great. Um, so that's, that's kind of, you know, what I see is taking some time aside to do R and D and to look for those, okay, what's coming down. But, uh, but again, reserving that, and doing more due diligence. I, I wish we would see a little bit more of that from the MSP side rather than these rash wholesale moves, you know, of tools every time. I mean, tools break. We all know that. Tools break. Things that we make break. So, you know, when we look at that from a, you know, we're a vendor to, to our customers. There are things that we do when we mess up. And we want the benefit of the doubt from our customers to be able to make it right. And I think that that's what is missing in this relationship with our vendors is we're not always free to, you know, let them have the benefit of the doubt. You know, especially with bigger companies, I find that the bigger players who mess up, that's when the pitchforks come out. That's when, you know, people, you know, light the kerosene and light them on fire. And then we've got good people like Mary and and there are others. There are some at Kaseya. There are some at ConnectWise that I've been working with for years that are dedicated to doing things the right way. And they want to change. They, they want to, you know, fix those issues. And I think in forums, like, that's why I wanted to have this discussion. That I think if we do this, it's the way we go about approaching, you know, that, that conflict is where I think we can get better as an MSP industry. Um, there's a lot of childish things that get said online because people are angry. Yeah. We're bigger than that. We're all big boys and girls here. And I think, you know, rather than the kindergarten fighting that we see going on in Reddit and other places, like, I think that that's where we can stand up a little bit better as an industry, uh, as adults, as business owners. Uh, how do you guys feel about that? And what would your advice be to an MSP? that's in that role where they're, you know, maybe they're gone through the things, the irritations that, that we've got all gone through. So I wasn't sure you guys rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> I think we both did the same thing. Um, so, so look, I, I would, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think the, in general, I see a lot of tribes on my video froze. I'm just checking you're okay. Um, so there's, there's a lot of tribal behavior. So like you'll see people, you know, almost see change and get, you know, get wildly offended. This, this company's bought that company. Oh my goodness. We're all leaving. You're all going to change your entire business processes because of some corporate merger and, and acquisition. Okay. Yeah. On a long-term scale, if you genuinely don't believe in the values of the company, I think that's important. 
but I don't think it should be this massive sea change reaction. And, you know, I think John from Westway put a great comment in just there. He says he, he will make sure that he'll do annual reviews on tools. And, and that gives you that cadence to say, hey, you know, we do this on a yearly basis. We look at our tools, we see if they're best fit, we see if they're best value, we see if they've got a good roadmap. Um, and I'm speaking for you, John, but I assume these are the kind of things that you're putting in that assessment to then say, is this the tool that we want to stick with for the next 12 months? And then we'll think about it again. And that way, when you've got that cadence in mind, you'll you'll be taken aside from these, you know, internet fights that happen for, you know, throughout the year where features aren't working or, you know, bugs are happening. Um, but I think one of the most important things that you can do is when you work with a partner and, and you have a contact there, and, and I know some of the comments saying, hey, we don't, we don't even have named contacts, but when you start to have named contacts and named account managers is to ask the question of them, how are you measured? What, what does success look like for you as an individual? Because Mary made the point of it being a partnership what is good for the vendor? Because we always look at it and go, well, I'm buying from you, therefore you owe me. Okay. Um, but what does the relationship look like? How in, in, in Microsoft world, when I think of it that way, if you have a partner account manager, when we were big enough to have one, you would think, oh, well, you know, they, they get um, paid on, on how many more licenses we sell. And, you know, we're a CSP. So if we do go from, you know, 500,000 a month to 600,000 a month, they'll get rewarded better in some way. And they don't. It's, it's completely different. They had a, a mechanism that was all around. Essentially, if you gave great feedback and said they were doing an amazing job, they were getting their bonus that quarter. And that's how it worked. And so it was important to understand from their, you know, our account manager's perspective, what makes you look good in your organization? What does success look like for you and your team? And then you know how to be a good partner. If they need to see your pipeline earlier, or they need to see that you're doing campaigns together. And, and the more that you, you genuinely are engaged in a partnership of how do we get more of this product out to market, assuming it's not your PSA or RMM, but it's a, it's a service. How do we get more of this out to market together? What makes you look good? And that, I think that is the powerful question to ask. Yeah. I think also knowing what kind of partner you want to be as well. Cause I know with certain ones of our, you know, certain, certain vendors, we just wanted to be left alone. Like just let us get on with our thing. We're going to do our marketing and sales. We kind of know what we're doing. We don't need to be hounded by sales calls and like, here's the special offer for this month and those kind of things. That was certainly one approach. Whereas with other vendors, yes, you might want to be a bit more involved and have those regular calls with them, find out more about them. Um, I think I kind of touched on it there a little bit, just knowing the, the special offers and the, the current promotional, you know, whatever things might be going on. That's half of the challenge when you're dealing with so many different vendors, when you just don't know, okay, there's a promotion on VMware this month and maybe Dell have got promotion and now it's the end of quarter for HP. So they're trying to push certain things and there's a trade-in deal and it's just trying to, trying to collate all of that information, which can be quite a challenge. And I think the, um. I'm not sure if they're still going on, but tech data had a, I think it was a weekly call. Or maybe it was a bi-weekly call um, ran by a guy called Phil, who lives down actually down the road from me, not too far. And he basically put together all of the promotional um, programs that were going on that month. And they would just run through. It was like a half an hour or an hour long call. Like I say, every other week or so where they would run through and say, here's a list of vendors. Here are all the promotions going on right now. Here are the Microsoft promotions. Here is the HP, the partner, the Dells, the, you know, whatever it might be. Just being able to have that level of information can really, really help you with your sales approach because you can sell more of their, you know, their things. Um, 
there's a certain amount of language disconnect I found as well, because when you're talking with lots of the vendors, I, I just want to be, you know, speak to me in English of what's going on at the moment, what, what promotions have you got? Whereas some of the answers you get back, it's just like, you know, they're, they're internal code names for projects or something. You have no, no idea what they're talking about. So if you can just get a good understanding of what's going on in their business and, you know, what they're trying to, you know, like you said, Scott, like what are you actually being measured on as well? Knowing what that is so you can actually try and focus on, on doing that and improving that and um, making use of um, or at least having discussions around things like the MDF funding, the market development funds, because we just, you know, the first time we heard that, I just kind of went, ah, there's probably nothing we can do. You know, we're not going to put on a massive event or anything. That's, you know, that's stuff the bigger companies will be using the MDF kind of money. When it actually went, when it came to us a few years later, we could use MDF funding. We were doing um, certain promotions with them. We, you know, had them into our office and we did a little podcast interview with some of them. There are definitely creative ways you can use the money and you know use the money to create marketing campaigns which isn't just like let's just use your generic marketing information let's slap a logo on it and email it out to our list that that's not anything to do with the mdf funding it is okay what can we do together how can we craft a a marketing campaign what kind of media can we create what kind of imagery how are we going to brand it all together what kind of maybe we can do a special incentive or an offer um, it's, it's that whole thing that you can work on with the vendors directly and your partner managers at those vendors. Um, and, and that can be really, really powerful. Certainly if you're trying to promote uh, and push certain products because you know, it's a good fit, you know, with your, maybe your certain product bundle. Um, the one thing I would be interested in is exploring doing that with multiple vendors. That's something we didn't do before when you're trying to maybe package up, say a security service with products and services from multiple vendors and actually working on something together, whether that's something, I don't know, maybe if anyone in the comments or who might be listening to this after can leave a comment down below of if, if you're doing that at all, if you've had any success, because I feel that's like the next step because it's you know, all, all well and good when you're just working in the Microsoft ecosystem and you're selling like, you know, ATP and all the other kind of Microsoft 365 products. But lots of the work we do is a combination of lots of vendors. You know, we typically buy maybe a, a HP server, slap some VMware on it, maybe not nowadays because it's in the cloud, but you know, Microsoft um, virtual servers, you'll slap on the software, slap on the applications, which might be from all sorts of vendors. If you can package that up and parcel up in a way to promote it and get support from those various vendors as well to push it as you know, one campaign, there, there's so much you could do with that. But it's just sitting down and taking the time to try and figure out what's going on. Looks like the power's uh, Scott's not been paying his electricity bill. <laughs> yeah, the motion sensors are a little bit aggressive here. Um, yeah, Pete, you, you are, you're absolutely right. And I can tell you that we have done events um, where we had like a trade show and we had a stand and, and it was 100,000 just to pay for the stand. Um, and so that was at a, you know, at a, uh, an end user conference essentially, but we managed to get funding from like five or six different vendors um, because we were showcasing, we would showcase their technology as part of this, you know, two day event that we did. So out of that hundred thousand, we didn't end up paying for the stand fee because we took market development funding from all the different uh, vendors. And we made sure that we like, what do we need to showcase for you? What's what's the important part, product or service that you want us to make sure people are aware of? And, you know, as long as it aligned with what we were generally doing, we weren't just going to, you know, get ice cream stands and sell ice creams. But it was, you know, is this part of our portfolio? Is this relevant to our clients? Is this something that we can work on together? And they, there was absolutely no drama from having five or six different vendors. We made sure 
hey, you don't get, you know, Sophos and Bitdefender on the scene, but, you know, we're going to take money from you both. But we would have people who did, you know, in that time, it was like, you know, Teams video devices and headsets and handsets. We would have Datto to do backup and disaster recovery. We would have people who were doing um, video walls. And, and we would have, we actually had people bringing the, the Microsoft HoloLens, you know, in that case. And we had just had different people, you know, putting into the sponsorship pot. And it brought up this fantastic event together. Ultimately, you know, we didn't end up paying the stand fees for, which was fantastic. So it definitely is worth doing. And I think the more that you build those relationships with your your partner account managers and your you know your vendors, the more likely you are to be seen as available for those market development funds. Your account manager is going to be thinking, oh hey, this new pot's just opened up, and I know just the partner I'd love to get you know onto one of these types of things. So it really is about building that that two way relationship. I think it's I think it's hugely important. Um, just, just to say as well, I think, you know, um, John from Westway also pointed out, like he, he feels like as a nimble MSP, he can be quite small and feel like he doesn't match to a lot of vendors. I would say that's where distribution really can help. Um, you might not get direct access to MDF funds, but you certainly get a huge amount of leverage when it comes to support and service and pre-sales and quoting. And you can, again, build a really powerful relationship with your distributor. Um, so that you can then get you know access to the right people inside those vendors and become more seen, become more visible, um, you know, as you start to grow the relationship that way as well. So it's a, it's a really great way to work through distribution. Again, try and stick to a, a small number of distributors in the same way that you would stick to a small number of vendors and build a relationship with your distribution account manager. And again, figure out what are they measured on? What does success look like for them? And how can we be a good partner at that level as well? Yeah, and I think- Did you I'm get gonna... any of the vendors sending people to the events with you? Because I've seen that a few times where the vendors will actually send somebody, send a rep yeah. to come with you and in your stand with you. Yeah, and yeah here's, absolutely. Here's how you, yeah, yeah. Here, I was going to say, Go. here's how you do that if you don't have a rep. Because just what John said, you know, if you're too small, you don't have a dedicated rep or maybe your rep doesn't live in the town where you live in. What I found is there's usually local offices. If you're in a, a larger metropolitan area, there are local field offices of a lot of your vendors. And I actually went on LinkedIn when I was running my MSP and John touched on it. I loved lunch and learns. Yeah. I went on LinkedIn, started looking for Microsoft reps because there was a Microsoft office right in Columbus. So I reached out to somebody that, you know, a couple people on LinkedIn got connected with them and just said, Hey, I'm looking to do a lunch and learn, you know, wanted to see if you guys, if you had any giveaways, they give away Microsoft office licenses. They give away windows license stuff that you can give away at your events for free. All that nice swag that we like to get doesn't necessarily have to go through the formal process of getting MDF, but as a yeah. small player, you'd be surprised what stuff that they have access to that you don't know until you ask. Um, Sophos was the other one that we had. They would send me little booklets, you know, giveaways, things that I can put in our giveaway bags at our lunch and learns. And when I started doing those, they started seeing that, okay, I can put 50 to hundred people in a room then it, all of a sudden, you know, because of those relationships I made with the local reps, the local reps who weren't my salespeople, somebody shows up for Microsoft at your event, that, may, that helps your street cred as an MSP. 
when you start to get the vendors to participate. And then when they're there and they see that, you'd be surprised how many phone calls and how many connections you get that when they push it up the rungs and say, this guy's doing something that's unique that nobody else is doing. Um, And John, lunch and learns, I still don't see many MSPs doing. I know we're back to in-person events, but I still, prior to COVID, didn't see a lot of MSPs doing lunch and learns. And this does not have to be a huge thing. You know, go rent an office, you know, provide subs to everybody for lunch and invite everybody you're connected to on LinkedIn. You'd be surprised how many people will show up. What's the, yeah, um, and, you know, why, why wouldn't you do the lunch and learns? Because we, we, we started, <laughs> unfortunately, we were just literally about to do our first one and then COVID happened. Yeah. Um, why wouldn't you do them? Because it's such a simple thing. I guess maybe it's a, a space thing if you don't think you've got the space and probably a cost. I guess those are probably the only two real barriers. I think it's yeah, just... but go and go and speak to those vendors, and they they've all got demo suites. And, exactly. And like you, when you meet them, they say, "Hey, come and see our demo suite," and they show you around. And you're like, "Oh, this is nice. Imagine you could put an event on here." And those things are empty most of the time because the, the partners most, aren't going. Not, and... I don't know if it's around where you are, Scott, but most of the demo suites for us are basically London or somewhere somewhere north of where we are. There's there's nothing on the south coast here. So unless you want to get all of your prospects to travel and spend, you know three or three or four hours out of their time, which might be worth it depending on the event you're putting on, but not for lunch and learn. Look for co-working yeah, spaces. That's, that's a really fair point. Yeah. Co-working spaces. That mm. is, I mean, but a actually, lot to, of... To Scott's point there as well, and Andrew's there, you can mix the two because, um, again, going to the MDF side of things, you can get the vendors to then sponsor or, you know, MDF funding or whatever for the lunch and learns. You know, if you can have someone, I don't know, for example, maybe not Pax 8, because that's probably not a good example for an MSP one, but find one of your key vendors, see if, or, or even distributor, or if, you know, essentially if it's going to help you sell more through that company, get them and ask them if they can help sponsor that particular event, but get them to cover the cost of the room hire and, you know, the 50 to hundred quid for the pizza or, or whatever it is, maybe put on something a bit posher than a pizza, but, um, but, but things like that you can do at almost zero cost by just having the discussions with those vendors to see if they're interested in doing it. Exactly. And if you're looking yeah. for the process, by the way, I think John uh, mentioned, uh, he had taken my lunch and learn training. If you're a tech tribe member, you have access to it absolutely free. And I have a six week checklist. It was my checklist of running events as an MSP, what to do six weeks out, five weeks out, four weeks out, all the way down to day of and after it is everything to do. Um, that's exactly, I created again, the first few were ugly as you're figuring the process out. But each one that we did, we got better and we would debrief. Okay, what do we want to change for next time? What went well? And we would just keep building on that. And every quarter we did lunch and learns. And we invited not just prospects, invite your clients to these lunch and learns. And I'll tell you why. Your prospects are sitting there or your customers are sitting there next to prospects. And when you're talking about things and you don't have to brag about how good you are, because your customers sitting in the audience will do that for you. So testimonials and referrals, invite your best customers to these events too, um, because they will come. Your audience, your fans will come. And closing deals, I closed the deal every single lunch and learn that I did, and some multiple deals. And a lot of that came from the referrals, the the live testimonials of my customers in the audience talking to prospects and people that I've invited. 
Um, so I think, you know, that lens, if we look at that from as an MSP, a small MSP, that is something that you can do today. That is something you can do to build your relationship with your vendors today. And, you know, we don't have to wait till we're a $2 million company before we can start taking advantage of those things. Um, but I think, you know, I, again, we could go on for days kind of talking about this, but I, I wanted to breach this just from, you know, from both sides of the fence. Um, and I think that what people need to understand right now, I don't know, were you guys running anything in the dot-com era? I know I'm, I'm dating myself, so... I think I was born not, in a dot com era. I'm not sure. <laughs> so what I see going on right now is what I see, what I saw during the dot com era is a lot of venture cap, equity based. Everybody's being bought up. Um, I'm surprised it's taken as long as it has with the MSP industry, quite frankly. But now I think we just need to. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. People realize there's money to be made in the MSP industry. Private equity is buying a lot of your vendors. There's nothing you can do about it. And, but again, understanding, like you said, Scott, understanding the mindset of the people, what your reps now, what their, you know, their parameters have changed too. What designates success for them may be different than it was prior to a purchase. Um, so I think that there's, there's part of things that if your vendors listening to this and watching this, that, that you can learn a lot of the complaints that are coming out right now is people don't understand when you take venture cap money, which I have, and I'll never do it again. The rules change for you as a business owner. When you take somebody else's money, it is all about getting their ROI as fast as possible. And we're not talking, you know, if I borrow a million dollars, they get their million dollars back. It's you borrow a million dollars, I want five back and I want it in 36 months. The rules change dramatically for how you operate as a vendor. And I think that's what the MSPs need to understand is going on right now. And a lot of MSPs, this is their first business, this is their first foray into the business world and it's frustrating because guess what's happening right now? sales machines are being set up to get that ROI for private equity companies. That's just what they do. That's, that's the nature of the beast. So that's what we see going on right now. Getting, you know, the being in a 15 step process from a sales rep at your vendor, that's what's going on. You're getting emails, you're getting calls, you're, you're getting pummeled after every trade show. That's what salespeople do. That's what, that's the only way to get, multiples of whatever you borrowed back to the people you borrowed from. Um, so I think that's not going anywhere. Can vendors get a little bit better with that in the process? Yes. And I think it's by us having legitimate conversations like this as adults. It's annoying when we get multiple calls from vendors and we're not interested in buying, move on to somebody else. Don't call me 20 times after every trade show even though I never attended your trade show booth, you know, it's just, so I think that there's certain things from an, from a vendor perspective that we can get better on. Um, yeah. What kind of led, I know we're wrapping up on time. Um, I, I think we got, we've got to get away from that us against them mentality. Uh, 
And I, and I think, I think that, author, it's worth, um, and we've mentioned this in a, in a few times we've had this discussion really is just, again, focus on the value you can provide to your clients. The value isn't really just selling them support and services and you know, products. It's actually the advice, the strategic advice, helping them budget, helping them forecast, helping them to, you know, automate their business processes, the things where you can really get in, get under the business, you know, get under the skin of the business and try and help them and, you know, be, help them be more productive. Because I know we, we're always seeing like, we can all see in the future, at some point, it feels like Microsoft's going to go direct. They've kind of forced people that, that route with their 365 changes. And then they went back on them. And now everyone's in a bit of a mess of so some clients are direct, some clients are tied into annual, some people are rolling still. So it just feels like the, the way the market is heading is that all the vendors at some stage may or may not decide to go direct. And when, when that does, or maybe, you know, if and when that does happen, you need to be prepared to be in a position where that doesn't affect you dramatically as a business. So yeah. whatever services you can provide, whatever consultancy services you can do, you know, the, the support service you're billing, whether you're trying to do, you know, the MSP model of recurring kind of you know, services or whatever your security services you're providing, that may or may not just get wrapped up into 365 one day. So just have a think about what you're providing and how you can actually get more involved with the clients. And that that is a challenge because, you know, we all want to be treated as if we were a director of that business, you know, sat on the table, learning what's going on within that, our clients, knowing what constraints they've got. If, if they haven't got budget, okay, let us know. We can see what we can work with for you. You know, can we try and stretch your IT out for the next year or two rather than most of us? And, you know, have to be plenty of times where we just get, no, we're not going to buy that. Okay. Well, you need to buy something because that's a mass massive security risk. So is there a halfway house and you try and have those discussions. So it's trying to make you make your, um, and, I, and I don't know the answer to that. that, that might be a discussion for another time, but how do you get to that level with your clients? And, and that's the challenge. I think it's the ultimate challenge of getting to the stage where they, you know, legitimately trust you, re legitimately respect you, not just that you're a supplier to them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it's Mary. Mary just uh, put in a message as well. She said a challenge for vendors is to simplify the problem they're solving for the MSP and their customer. I hear super technical conversations that beat people up. You need to have one sentence summary. Yeah, and again, if you're a tech driver, you know we teach that. You've got access to all that training. 30-day growth map, that teaches you what you, that one sentence of value that br you bring to your customers. So it's free. All have access to it. What were you going to say, Scott? Sorry to cut you off. No, no, you're all good. I was going to say the, the other thing that I think that we need from all vendors, large and small, is transparency around pricing because I, you always feel that you're getting the wrong price. You're paying too much. Um, whatever the price is on the website, whatever that first quote is, you always feel like it's not the real price. And if only you knew someone who knew someone, you could get the real price, but you're just going to pay too much. You always feel that way. And I'll give you a 60 second summary of a perfect example. Um, working with IBM through their IBM partner program for many years, we were reinvesting what would be a million pounds into some um, server stacks for our on-premise cloud. Um, and we went through the deals and through the deals and through the deals and all the discount codes and everything our account manager could find out through IBM. And we got the price down to 500,000, call it dollars, keep it simple. Um, we got it down to 500,000, half of a million. Brilliant. We've reduced it 50%. Um, 
just before we signed the deal, we had one guy in house and it was his job to buy laptops and desktops. And he said, let me just have a look. Let me just have a word with some of my contacts. And let me just see if there's anything else to squeeze out of this. 260,000 pounds we ended up paying. And we'd been on this for months, going round and round in circles with everyone that we could, you know, all the partner account managers, all the discount vouchers, all the, the codes. And it turned out that our guy who buys laptops and desktops understood their discount mechanisms better than they did. And so he knew which levers to pull to get the price down from a million to 260,000. And even the guys at IBM didn't know the right buttons to press or the right words to say to get the discounts, but he did because he'd been doing this for 20 years. And I just think that level of transparency inside the vendor, because the account managers are pushed in a lot of those places to change roles every 12 to 24 months. And so that intelligence around those MDF funds and discounts is lost on a regular basis. Having a transparent pricing system with transparent discount rates that we can all understand inside the vendor and in partner world would make life so much easier. We would genuinely just go, yeah, I get it. I'm not buying a hundred of these, so I have to pay this price. Okay. I just don't feel like it's there. And so I always feel like we're, we're not getting the right price whenever we look at any of these guys. Yeah. And I just, I think that's just because lots of the, the, the vendor tools are overcomplicated. I remember the, um, Oh, what was it? What 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 is the the Cisco bill of materials quoting tool, which is just horrendous? <laughs> it, it, it may or may not change, but th there's very similar things. Even when you, you know you're specking up a HP server or whatever it is, you just need to go to the vendor tools website. You you fill in your quote, and it should just spit out at the end. Okay, oh you've met the requirements for uh, you know it's it could be deal registration. Now you get extra discount, and here's the here's the price. Like the vendors could need the do a lot of deal kinder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> We need honey, the browser extension that goes, ah, you're trying to buy a HP server, go and buy. <laughs> but yeah, it, exactly that. It's, it is vastly overcomplicated where exactly as you've experienced, the people themselves don't understand the, the intricacies that are involved. So uh, yeah, if there's any any request that we could really give out is just please vendors just try and simplify the tools that you've got. Um, don't have to simplify the discounts, simplify the quoting tools. So you can just kind of click a button. It goes, okay, here's the best price you can get. And that's it. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, that's the that's the come in the challenge, I think, over the last few years, too, because people are chasing that ROI, especially in the MSP space and the volatility of the market and all of that fluctuation, which I don't think we're done with. Um, I would love to see that change. Dell, unfortunately, that's I stopped selling Dell way back in 2005, 2006 because of that. Because you would go online, do the deal registration, build out the thing, here's the price. Customer would go online, build out the exact same thing and get a cheaper price. So yeah, there's I get a long story with Dell, don't even get me started. Anyway, <laughs> um, but I think here at the end of the day, I, what I would like to see, what I know MSPs want, what we want, is just a bit more unification and a bit more, you know, I think better discussion mechanism, if you will, around the challenges on both sides. And I think just for an MSP understanding what it, what it is to be a vendor in this space now, and you know the guys, the upstarts, the guys that are still small companies that are running it themselves, it's great. But 
plan for the fact that they may be bought. I mean, that's just, the, that's the market. That is not going anywhere in the next 18 months. If anything, I think at the, in the latter half of the next 18 months, we're going to be down to one or two companies owning everything in the MSP space. That's just my personal prediction on that. We're already starting to see it. Um, but I think you'll see that condensed down even a bit more. Uh, that's just the nature of life. Um, I would like to see as an MSP, us concentrating on more. How do we bring that value to the customer? Dig deeper and go beyond just selling help desk services and fixing crap when it's broke. We got to go from that janitor to being seen as the CEO. Um, and I think that there's a lot of room for, for us to improve. And I think it starts with the discussions that we have in our MSP spaces, regardless if that's on Reddit, TechTry, wherever it is. I think we have better discussions, more elevated discussions in those forums that makes us better business people to solve those problems for our customers. Because there's not, we're not going to be able to fix everything that we hate about all the vendors. I mean, that's just, it, it, that's not an ideal world. But again, approaching it when when those mistakes happen, when expectations aren't met, we would like that benefit of the doubt from our customers. And I think a, a little bit more of that can go towards the vendors at this point as well. Um, some of that reciprocation. I just would like to see more of a unification. We're, I, I see too much this year with MSPs fighting vendors and the bad guys are winning right now. The bad guys are getting into places that they shouldn't be because we're too busy fighting each other. That's just, do you guys see that any different? What is kind of your last takeaway uh, as a parting gift to everybody? Because we're just about, we're, we're just past noon here on the East Coast. So I think for um, me, it's, I, I, I think, cool. rock, paper, scissors. Sorry, I, I was gonna, for me, I think it would just be, um, no, my request, I guess, would be. I think just to level the playing field of the vendors. Um, uh, yeah, Westway had a very good point there of, you know, finding a laptop on Monday and the, the price has now changed two days later. Same same laptop, same vendor. And in those instances, I feel the the larger, more established MSPs would just be able to turn around and say, well, no, we want the laptop for that price. Give it to us for that price we had on Monday. And the vendors would probably turn around and say, yeah, sure, that's fine, because they spend a lot of money with them. But the smaller vendors, you know, the smaller MSPs, us nimble MSPs, wouldn't get that. They get the answer of, nope, that's what it is. You just got to pay the new price. And that doesn't help us when we're trying to, you know, potentially be the bigger businesses of tomorrow and be able to scale our businesses. And I had very similar you know, circumstances with, uh, you know, it was a Citrix deal specifically of a Citrix renewal. We got quoted one price, it expired. We were told, nope, you got to quote the new price. Whereas the other vendor, who was a much larger vendor, was bigger bigger and better than us they just said no we just want the old price we'll go and buy it at the old price please and they said yes of course whatever you say so i think definitely leveling the playing field is something that um you know my request to the vendors and um i guess just to reiterate what all of us have said really in this session is just try and focus your efforts you know the vendors are really much out of your control you, you don't have any control of what they're doing who's going to buy who and how they're going to structure their kind of you know um their, their teams and their promotions the thing you do have control over is your business and the services you offer to your clients. And the focus there is definitely on getting as involved with your clients as possible, getting as much face-to-face -face time with them as possible, getting into their businesses, providing as much value as possible, getting into that level, getting into the CEO level, to the directorship level, where you can sit at the table when they're having their, you know, quarterly or monthly or annual like board, you know, shareholder meetings. 
where you can go and give them that strategy, the advice and the guidance that they probably don't have. And it's trying to get that the whole like no like and trust factor so you can get to that level. Yeah. And it, 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 it takes effort. Um, it, but again, it takes that constant getting better and not just, okay, we sign an MSP contract. Yeah. We're providing the deliverables and that's it. Uh, if you dig deeper, I mean, I remember when things changed for me, I remember that as an MSP, when our largest attorney client was getting ready to expand and he called me in to ha with the rest of the partners, the architect, the interior designer, when you get into those meetings at that level, then you know you're providing way more than just tech support. And that's awesome when you have a seat at the table with everybody else making decisions and they're looking to you, how do we, how do we, what's our technology spend got to be here? You know, what, what do we have to do different when you're involved at that level price, those types of things go out the window. It's not, you're not negotiating over price. This is the value we bring. This is how much it, it is. And there's no questions asked. Um, but again, it's just de delivering on that. Yeah. All right, guys, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Uh, Mary, uh, John, uh, Richard, if you're still on the call, uh, Jason, if you're still here, and th those of you who happen to watch this on the replay or listen to the podcast, uh, we appreciate you. Uh, if you happen to see this on YouTube, please like and subscribe. We've got to do our thing. And Mary, I thank you so much for, for leaving us with that. Rela relationship. It's all about the relationship. You know, I had to use the Roadcaster Pro. I got to throw those things in there just to have fun on these streams. Um, but anyway, yeah. So let us know what you would like to us to cover in future episodes. We're always happy to to light the fire. I thought we were. I think you know. I think we did pretty good again this week, not burning stuff down. So uh, Pete's going to have to really show us the full demo of the VR. He's going to fly off I'll, into space. I'll just do yeah. dramatic ending where I can, yeah, fly off. <laughs> uh, actually, let me zoom it. Uh, we'll put Pete full screen. No legs. He, he can zoom. Oh, that's no far legs. as it goes, apparently. <laughs> but I can show you around. Mr. Matheson, where are your trousers? <laughs> that's awesome. Might have to do a show on this. Unfortunately, our podcast listeners won't be able to fully benefit from that. That's anyway, awesome. all right, folks, we will see you next week. Hopefully we will have Richard with us next week. Uh, I know Richard probably had a ton to say with about vendors today. Uh, so we'll, <laughs> maybe we'll have to do a part due on this one. So, all right, folks, take care. That's it for us. And we will see you next week. See you guys. Bye. <laughs>